This podcast is sponsored by Canoe Club. Canoe Club has been one of my favorite retailers for such a long time, so it's a real honor to have them sponsoring the pod. If you're unfamiliar with Canoe Club, it's a retailer based out of Boulder, Colorado that carries brands such as Engineer Garments, Visvim, Capital, Nanamika, Levi's, Orslo, Friends of the Pod, Marnie, Solomon, and Popeye Magazine, and so much more. They have such an incredible assortment, ranging from under-the-radar emerging brands to beloved heritage brands. I had the founder of Canoe Club, Timothy Grindle, on the podcast, which I'll have linked in the description if you're interested in learning more about the retailer. I'll also be showcasing some of my favorite pieces on the Fashion Collective Instagram, as well as in the weekly newsletter. The team over at Canoe Club has been very kind to offer a 15% discount code for all the Fashion Collective podcast listeners. Use code Fashion Collective 15 to get 15% off your next order. Again, it is Fashion Collective 15 to get 15% off your next order. The link to the site will be linked in the description for you guys to head over and check out the assortment. Hey guys, thanks again for coming on the podcast. No doubt. Thanks for having us. Breaking our podcast chair. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Before we get into everything, do you want to share just a little bit about yourself and, you know, what you do? Yeah. Uh, I'm Will. This is Colin. We're Wim Golf. And, you know, we've been working together for 20 years as friends. And Wim, we started in 2014. And really just as a name for us, like we just spent time trying to figure out what we were going to call our joint output, like what we were going to refer to ourselves, anything we worked on together. This is back in 2014. And then Wim Golf came out in 2019 and we do a lot of different design stuff, but the majority of our work revolves around running the fashion company Wim Golf. And, you know, we're, we're mostly a two person team that attracts a lot of different collaborators that kind of make everything actually work and kind of liken our, our, our responsibilities and our like with the what we do I guess question to a swarm like we we really our technique is to be in constant communication and kind of just have all hands on deck for all projects and as we've matured as a company we try to divide and conquer and be more specific about responsibilities but ultimately like the way that we've gotten anything done is is uh, like we liken it to to jazz and to kind of like a swarm you'd see in nature like something that's looks organized but is in reality just people that are very familiar with each other improvising and and making decisions on the fly when we're we trust each other and are comfortable with that so uh, you know we design and and do everything for whim but obviously we include a lot of great other creative people to help us accomplish things that, that we think up we also have an agency called 1010 and that's more of a behind the scenes thing where we help people with the intersection between art and sport in any way that we can Amazing. Yeah. And we'll be getting to all of that over the course of the episode, you know, moving into the first segment, you know, style ethos. How would you describe your personal style? I mean, I think for me, my personal style is pretty well rooted in interests that that have spanned my lifetime, I guess. I would say I'm not really trying too many different things. You know, I think of, I think of my, my style as having a pivot foot, you know, like there are things that I really like that I stay true to. And a lot of that is, you know, the intersection of outdoors gear, I guess, sports gear, and then I guess fashion that, that approaches runway, but isn't quite there necessarily. I would say that I'm pretty, 
pretty, I find that like the things that I gravitate to fall into those worlds. And then, you know, I, I'll, I'll try a few, a few different things depending on how intrigued I am by it. But, but for the most part, uh, it never strays too far from like those three worlds for the most part. In general, I'm, I, I gravitate toward things that are casual and like, and uh, utilitarian, I guess, like things that perform well and are like soft in their, I guess not necessarily like their feel, but in their, how like aggressively loud they are. I guess I don't know how to describe it, but I don't like things that are too intense. Like I'm, you know, peacocking. Yeah, exactly. Like subtle, subtle. Exactly. Um, I've always liked to like have particularly with clothes or whether it's home goods or whatever the thing is that you're purchasing things, things that I tend to, to like are, um, they might not appear to be very nice, but they are very nice, you know, like they're not overtly expensive looking. And that's kind of how I, that's kind of how I buy, I guess. Um, I don't know. The, the easiest way to sum it up, like might be like a little bit sporty, a little bit preppy. Um, like right now I'm wearing brown cotton pants from uh, Red Cap, which is my favorite pants company, maybe our joint favorite pants company, like a better Dickies to me. And I'm wearing a, a, the Wim Golf sample sweater from a few seasons ago that I've probably worn at least 200 days since we got it. And uh, so, yeah, it's just like I think we trying like to wear the, like I, I'm trying to wear clothes that I'm going to wear in 10 years and that I would have worn 10 years ago. And uh, I think of style as something that like, you know, if I, if when I was a baby, I was a block of marble, like my style is going to take, is just like chiseling away at that block of marble until I'm Michelangelo or whatever his name is, till I'm David. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Like, it, it's like really trying to, to just like, I think maybe one stylistic choice, like we, we focus on like color and fit, you know, and everything else is kind of by the wayside. I can appreciate like a detail, like a texture occasionally, but you know, I like wearing all the same color, but like different shades of the same color. And, and like referentially, I, I admire like, you know, I'll see a suit from a movie that came out in 2003. And I'm like, I want my suit to fit like that. Or I'm not trying to wear the same thing every day, but, but I admire that sort of approach. What we share is that we tend to be, we tend to gravitate toward things that are like undervalued. Yeah. I think that that's something that we share. I think we also can be like semi-committal, you know, when I find something that works and that like feels correct, I won't necessarily make too many moves at changing it, you know, whether it's like your favorite pair of underwear or a white t-shirt or whatever. Generally, history would say that Will and I tend to find the same home within those like products not not 100% but for the most part there are things that we share from a value standpoint that end up land us landing in the same place and i think as far as how that contributes to our product output we can perform as will mentioned like uh like two jazz musicians when we're making product because like we can anticipate the shared intrigue and like interest and that like leads to us being able to make like autonomous decisions and to sometimes 
play a five minute solo or whatever, and then sometimes stop and let the other person kind of uh, take hold. So I think, uh, yeah, it's, uh, the personal style question is always really hard to define, you know, cause it's personal, like inherently it's hard to, to describe yourself or describe things that are innate. So it might be, I, I maybe have found it more helpful to describe the things that we share because it ultimately is, is more reflective on what we choose to make and how we make it. Yeah, I was just about to say, it feels like you see these kind of elements playing out in the brand, which is really exciting and makes a lot of sense. I'm actually kind of curious to see if this like love of like kind of like subtle luxury and like just natural curiosity plays into just like your other interests as well outside of, you know, fashion style leading into like the next segment, just like what have you guys been into lately? You know, this could be movies, music, books, YouTube, uh, pretty much anything. Very open-ended. Um, yeah, you start. What have I been into? I think what I've been into changes every day. You know, I'm, I'm, I have a very loose grip on uh, my curiosity and my curiosity is what like fulfills me, you know, gives me the most opportunity to learn things and to, and to take those learnings and apply it to the, to the stuff that I'm doing right now. So I think we've had some, some phases where we're referencing certain things constantly, whether it's watching movies and finding ways that characters are shown and frame and frames are constructed. Do you have like a specific movie or type of film that kind of usually drew a lot of inspiration? Yeah. One movie that like a movie I like a lot, which is, is called meet Joe black. It's like three hours long. And, uh, Brad Pitt and Anthony Hopkins are in it. And Brad Pitt basically plays the Grim Reaper. He like dies in the first 10 minutes. And and then he comes, it's, you know, I don't have to explain the whole movie, but <laughs> that's also the one where the suit is fire. Like the suits he wears are really good. Everything in that, like a lot of shit in that movie is really good. I, but it's not like, yeah, I guess I'm into it lately, but I, you know, I probably watched it again. Like I was like, I'm going to watch this again. Uh, I want to say a year and a half ago. Um, the artwork in the movie is really good. Like they're in this mansion the whole time because Anthony Hopkins is loaded. And there's a scene when Anthony Hopkins, like he takes a liking to the Grim Reaper. He doesn't realize he's the Grim Reaper. Uh, And they're like buddies essentially. And Brad Pitt's acting crazy because he's literally like the Grim Reaper in another person's body. So he doesn't know how to behave in, in a human society. And they're walking through busy New York streets. And it's just a great, like super widescreen shot of you know, everyone watching the movie knows who to look at, but there's like a hundred other people in the shop. And I think, you know, we're going through some changes with whim, but, and we, and we really don't go at collections with like a, you know, like look at maybe, I don't even know a lot about, like I couldn't name old fashion collections or who did what, but one that was obviously very like pronounced in, in the world was when Virgil did the Wizard of Oz thing with like the rainbow and all the iconography and whatever. Uh, like we don't really design like that. I think we've always written a little letter to to stockists or buyers in our lookbook, and over time, the letters seem to be more about just like what we're what's going on in our life, uh, or like how we're starting to develop an understanding about ourselves. And um, I think a, a something we're constantly into is trying to draw parallels between things. Like that's really important to us is is the transferability of values across things where people can find common ground even though one person might like golf the other person might like surfing and they hate golf and surfing respectively 
on the other side, there's a lot in common with those two things. And I think our interest always revolves around uh, like sitting back and observing and, and starting to interpret the, the trends and the patterns and the commonalities between these things. And, and the way we became friends was because, you know, we were 10 years old and, and met at a summer camp that was for like artists and athletes and things like that. And had a common interest in like NFL football, but also in like certain rap music and datpiff.com and, and just kind of these like things that maybe most people didn't have in common, I guess. So like the, I think Colin mentioned his curiosity, like our, our, what we're into is usually like finding the new stuff, um, like discovering more things that we're into is what we're into, but also in, in finding the common ground between things at the same time, like our most recent collection statement, which I don't know if anybody's ever even going to see it was about observation was about like the role of, it was actually like, it started talking about construction because as, as babies, we both liked, like, I like standing on the sidewalk watching construction with my mom. We just like would go chill on the sidewalk and watch like a construction site. And we were talking about like, why, why would we like that as kids? And, and the idea of just like, just sitting and observing is a really lost art for a lot of people. I, I think like the Da Vinci, I guess I've been listening on audiobook to the Da Vinci book again by Walter Isaacson, the biography about him. And you know, I've barely, I'm like a third of the way through in the last three years, but uh, he talks about observation was his utmost skill. And any, I guess I've been into drawing. Like I've been, as a kid, wanted to be a cartoonist and I've wanted to learn how to draw, like actually learn, have someone who knows how to draw, teach me how to draw. Cause I will like sketch or whatever, but I wouldn't consider myself a objectively good drawer. But to me, if you can draw, that means you can observe really well. And that's what I think Da Vinci was, was, what like the critics who wrote this book or whatever would say was his best skill was the ability to observe really, really well. And I, that's a theme for us maybe right now is something that we're into is just like, what does it mean to truly observe, to like sit back and, and look at things? And to me, that's, that's something that really is part of the DNA of our brand is like, you know, even in our style choices, we're like, we're watching, you know, like uh, if someone else is wearing brown red cat pants, I won't tweak because nobody can tell what pants those are. But like anything that's going on, maybe we're contrarian is part of our style too, but I don't think it's like, I don't think it's- For the, contrarian's sake or whatever. Yeah, it's not for contrarian's sake, but like I'm general, I'm genuinely skeptical of anything that's, that's like immediately pop. Like what's a movie? I don't know. All sorts of shit comes out that's like- everyone's obsessed with the thing and i'm like how you know like how how could it be Why? that I, like, we, <laughs> yeah. we like bloodhounds um like that was a, one of the first people <laughs> ever made was a bloodhound we called it the bloodhound tea and it was like this painting of a bloodhound dog and that's what we was like we would talk about well, this is right when we started to figure out our made in america supply chain for women we were kind of proud of this like series of discoveries that led to us to be able to make stuff here and we were we were calling it like being a bloodhound like being able to sniff out these things and one other thing i've, I've been into is this idea of like i was talking to man, like, you're into a lot man yeah but that's why i just have to start talking <laughs> yeah let them go let them go <laughs> but uh 
I was talking to these guys recently, uh, the guys I was snowboarding with about emulators, about like the difference between creating and emulating. And we were talking about it in context of snowboard style. So like a, like a guy who's trying to mimic how another snowboarder looks on the mountain rather than just like snowboarding in his own true way. But we kind of unraveled the conversation just to the, to the, to where it could apply to anything, an art piece or a furniture designer or, you know, you name it, a dry, like anything. Uh, and I thought it was really interesting. We looked up the, like the antonym of, of emulate and it's neglect is like the, what Webster would say is the antonym of emulate and neglect means to like actively uh, abandon essentially. And so I think that's a really interesting thing too. Like how can you actively reduce and take things away uh, and kind of just like let your raw essence or whatever it may be come out. So that, that antonym I've been interested in lately also. Not to sound like a broken record, but I do feel like this kind of plays into a lot of the work that you do with Wim Golf and I'm sure your other projects, you know, which we'll get into. Have you been traveling a bit more for Wim and then also uh, just outside projects in general? Yeah, I mean, uh, Will just got back from a big trip in Japan where he was able to meet some of the stockists or the owners of stores that where Wim Golf is sold meeting these people in person is, is really fun. And, and it's the most rewarding part of our business, I would say, is, is making it personal and putting effort and energy into these relationships to be friends with these people and to, to really like get the feedback from them about similar to like what you're doing right now, you know, just like asking them what they're into and letting that and absorbing all of that. We've really, uh, I guess like in the, we started our wholesale business during COVID, which is kind of a interesting part of this whole thing. And, and I think from a, from a retailer perspective, we really only knew two of the stores that we were in. So like to get to know them on this end, or just like within the last 12 months has been really fun and, and travel's a big part of our, our lifestyles. You know, I think uh, when we set up this business part of, the way we did so was to talk about and share with each other some of the some of the elements that we wanted to to foster in our lives and and for for us like one of those was to have some mobility and to have like a personal connection with the people that we're doing the work with an emphasis has been made recently to try and find ways to weave our work into those into those trips i was in I was in Ireland and went and saw a store owner that we've been speaking with and just just uh, being a face to the brand or in that way, you know, not being like out in front of the entire brand, but being warm to the people who were, were doing some, some work together with is a really fulfilling way to go about your professional life. Yeah, totally agree. We, uh, we've been traveling more since like, uh, like March, 2021, we wanted to get into stores in LA and we basically flew over there with our fall winter 21 and rented this random, uh, this random storefront base for two days, did a showroom and came back to Chicago after like three or four days. And, uh, let's, you know, like Colin said, we, we launched in June, 2019 with a putting green in Chicago. We did another one, New York. September 2019, so like two months later, 
And then our whole plan for 2020 was to go around the world doing four putting greens. You're going to do Montreal, LA, Mexico City, and Paris. And, and then, uh, you know, we were like designing the Montreal collection and COVID shut down the whole world. So we just decided to like make it wholesale and got into a couple of stores. But fast forward to when people start getting vaccinated in January 2021. And we get the sense that LA is kind of like becoming normal. And that was the place on our list from 2020. So we're like, all right, let's do, let's do a putting green out there. And, you know, we, we found a spot and built a putting, our, our friend built a putting green for us that we strapped to the top of our car and drove from Chicago to LA with this putting green strapped to the top of the car and built it in LA and, and opened up a putting green and like from idea to opening day, like the first time we were like, let's do this. It was like, you know, end of March. And then we were driving to LA beginning of May and we designed like, you know, we did a lot of stuff in between then, but you know, the day we, our opening party was the day that the mayor lifted the mask mandate. You didn't have to wear a mask in LA anymore. And then the day, then like two months later, uh, COVID started popping again and the mask mandate was back and our store was closed. It was like, you know, it was perfect, but we really started like, I think all that to say, as soon as we had the chance to get back out there, we did because it's the most fun part. Like open the one in Chicago, we meet a bunch of new people, but we're still like a brand that's getting 10 likes on an Instagram post, which still happens occasionally. And then we do the one in New York, meet a bunch more people and we're like, great, this is so fun. This is working for our business. We're going to go do it in 2020 and that all fell apart. And so, yeah, like that's, if we can financially do it, that's what we're going to be doing a lot, but it, it's just tricky and tough. Like paying for a putting green is, uh, is expensive. Clothes are already expensive, you know, but definitely traveling more, hopefully for leisure and, uh, We've still never done a showroom at any fashion week ever, never done a trade show, never done a showroom. And I think we identify that as like a thing that would be really great to do. So hopefully do that eventually also. I think this is a great way to move into kind of like the main part of the interview. You know, how did you get interested in design? Because I know, Colin, you were kind of doing stuff with, you know, Benjamin Edgar um, back in the day. And, you know, well, I know you were kind of on the UX side and doing a lot of stuff in the in the tech world, unorthodox way of getting into fashion, which I think is really interesting here. Yeah, I mean, you've done your research. We, uh, I mean, I moved, when I moved to Chicago, I guess uh, I had a dip, I had a different uh, professional start and quickly realized from like a social, from like the social end of things that if I wasn't actively trying to meet people who had a common interest in the things that I really cared about, that it would be really hard pressed for me to find these people who I like share, share these things with. And uh, that led me to try to get a job at some stores in town. And I ended up getting a job at RSVP gallery in like 2015 or something like that. And uh, it was a great experience, you know, just to be involved in this in this store that was, uh, you know, a store overhaul for like the Yeezy season one. There was all these different people shopping there and and parties that were being thrown with different brands and such. And for me, it was just a really fun way to kind of balance my life and and really didn't think of it as like the beginning of like what would become the, the next part of my career. And I guess like my interest in design 
uh, like superseded that, you know, I don't think I really thought about design in, in a serious way for a long time. It was just something that I was, uh, uh, like a hyper consumer of, and I would draw that origin point back to probably sports, you know, like I was really into Philadelphia sports teams being from Philadelphia and like Allen Iverson was a, a hero of mine as a young, as a young person. Um, I was really into like, like gear and, uh, you know, like East Bay catalogs were something that I really liked. And I, and I scoured over these, these pages and, and found my way into the like sneaker community as like a young person with like Nike talk and in style shoes and all these kind of like sneaker communities that at, that at the time were, you know, you don't need to be told this, but very like subculture, you know, and, and I would just consume a lot of information from that, you know, instead of doing homework or whatever, like I was, that was what I was really interested in and like going deep with. That was a, a tipping point where then I found different artists or I found furniture designers or whatever through just that pursuit. And for me, I think those, like, that's what, that's all you need is a start, you know? And then once you start down that, that rabbit hole, you just don't stop in my opinion, you know, you're never going to find the bottom. So you're just constantly finding the, the connections that can be made from, I really like this alarm clock to, or I want to buy a new alarm clock. Who makes the best one? Braun. Okay. Who designed it? Okay, Dieter Rams. Who's Dieter Rams influenced by? This person. Uh, he's from this community and whatever you know. And and it's just this constant kind of conveyor belt of new and interesting things, and some of which you know you identify with, and it leads you to something else. And that's kind of how things began. And then Bill and I just wanted to work together. So yeah, that was literally it. Yeah. Like, we're, how are we gonna do it? You know, like. And I think it's funny in our, in like the last segment of this interview about like traveling and the meeting people being the best part is like, we just wanted to work together because it seemed more fun than working with anybody else. And like, you know, when we met at this camp, we were making silkscreen designs. Like we had this, we could go and like use pencil and that blue ink to make whatever silkscreen design we wanted to. And we were just doing that all the time, like making brands and graphics and things. You know, like the, like briefly the, the UX side of stuff. I was a, an intern at a company doing mostly customer support, just like answering emails for people. But I had to do a lot of like, I was like cropping a ton of images. So I had Photoshop and illustrator also, like I was just manually, that was one of my responsibilities, but had really never used illustrator in my life. And this dude who I was working for at the time told me, he's like, everything's a shape. That's all you need to know about illustrator. And uh, that really like opened up doors for me like those tools are really powerful and i think similar to colin like maybe finding a rabbit hole in like a in a forum or in nike talk or in these things i would find rabbit holes in like illustrator and not so much in like watching youtube videos but just in messing around with it and uh i also got to design a bunch of like like merchandise for that company it was like designing promotional golf balls or t-shirts or hoodies or uh, like that's how I found red cap pants is because I really became boys with this guy Ed from a company called Danger Press in Atlanta. Big shout out to them. They printed our first whim t-shirt ever, which was like a, a t-shirt with a blimp and Marshawn Lynch's silhouette cut out in the middle. Um, 
but like that's he i was like what's the best pant for printing he said red cap uh so i guess that that was uh, a big starting point for me it was like yeah i was doing this this uh, eventually went from customer support to doing ux design but i think i've realized that again the the principles of what makes something good transfer from a to b to c to d you know like i i felt confident at ux design because it I read an article that made it seem a lot of like writing, uh, like what makes a good design is similar to what makes a good introduction to a book or an essay or whatever. It's like organized and structured and it, and it helps people understand what's going on in a clear way. And to me, like designing a putting green space, uh, or a store or a jacket, um, or, or there's a lot in common. Yeah. And I think something and else like, like Colin's proximity to Ben, like you brought that up specifically. We were kind of like, we made a hundred t-shirts when I was still living in Atlanta. This is like 2015. We made a hundred cut and sew t-shirts and that was like a big moment for us, but we didn't sell any of them. And we shipped them out to all these different people. We had black manila envelopes with this t-shirt that we called the Earthman tea and a handwritten letter and these special stickers and all this stuff. Shipped them out to like 50 people, but never really made anything after that for, for several years. We moved in together in Chicago like a year later point was like when Colin started working for Ben, we were living together and, you know, he and Ben were making things in Chicago or in, in places close by. And those first t-shirts I mentioned, we made in Peru, like kind of, I don't remember even how we found this company. Uh, but that his experience, I think, like, I remember you coming back and, and kind of with like a renewed confidence in our ability to make things in a way that wasn't going to be so ominous, like making a hundred shirts and then not being able to sell them was kind of like, all right, this isn't the right way to do this. Uh, but then by June, 2019, we opened up a pop-up shop with a putting green and we had like three pairs of black wool trousers, two pairs of blue wool trousers, only size 32. Uh, and like, that's not necessarily the way to do it either. But I think Colin through his experience brought back a sort of confidence in how we could make stuff, uh, locally and like figure it out in a in a more like step-by-step -step way like not trying to be like we need a spot to just make us the t-shirts uh and that was how we got the cut so and started to figure that out but i mean we had hella bricks on the way to making our first good thing totally i think like uh yeah, yeah. i think what people there's two things that people uh i think one is like that this is like people are interested in what we do because we make products but it's funny mm -hmm. will tell the story about us like driving a putting green across the united states like there's some really like hilariously like unsexy parts of our business that that i guess can exemplify uh, like our commitment to it in some ways but also that it's still like hard work you know um and the other thing is that i think like will was noting one of the things that really uh, I can look back on as, as a major takeaway is that the process is just like a link, uh, a, a series of like links, you know, like you just need to establish the chain. And part of it is being, having an understanding of each aspect of the chain when you're all matar and what their uses traditionally are, and then understanding how those things are crafted into a product that is ready to sell. And then when it's ready to sell, how are you creating an image 
or a, a, a consumer view on this product that helps to sell the thing. Um, and that's really a lot of how things get done. I would encourage people to, to you know, I look up to Ben and, and I think like uh, working in proximity to someone who you look up to and can learn a lot from pays dividends, you know, like you'll, you'll absorb a lot by being uh, a part of those processes. And it's only, it's you and you decide on what you're going to, what you're going to, what story you're going to tell and what, what products uh, or things you feel like the world needs. Um, and, and in a lot of ways, like Will said, like that experience and, and our comfort with it helped to help to kind of give us an education on like what was to come uh, in these last few years. Yeah. Shout out to him. And uh, I think something else that's funny that what you were just talking about with like, with like Ben's links and, and kind of the way he did things, you having a glimpse into that was uh, like we were talking six months ago about how whim is a, is a process and the process is our brand. And I think a good indication of that is when we only had size 32 or size large of something, which like is obviously stupid from a business standpoint, but is super honest and is super uh, like real. It's like represented exactly where we were as a business. We're like, we didn't have money to grade anything. We didn't like have time. We're out here like building a putting green in a shipping container or like Collins are doing these like not sexy jobs. We're not sitting here designing clothes. Like the amount of time we spend designing is probably embarrassing relative to like companies that have full-time designers or whatever. Yeah. Uh, like we design, you know, in by communicating constantly and it might be, we're talking about like, we're like, how much does it cost? We have all this cardboard, like what? And then like, you know, another, I then was like, what about this fabric? You know, it's, <laughs> it's truly like, and I, I think that was a, a, a realization at the end of fall winter 22 was, was like that what makes us special is our process and our process. Like we were talking about it in a way that this sort of spiral that we have like, like fish in a swarm or birds in a swarm is this spiral thing. And Colin and I are constantly swarming each other. Uh, and that creates this sort of gra- brings in this, this cast, this rotating cast of actors and friends. And, uh, like that process is our brand. That's what sets us apart is that is, is not so much the output, it's the process. And it's, it's a process that isn't one that like, we really look at too often. And like, it's like, oh, this is how we do it. You know, like we just do it how we do it and the stuff comes out and, and we live with it, which I think we're trying to get better at, like thinking more about what we want the output to be. But usually it's like a blur, we have like a blurry sense of where we wanna go. Or I guess we have like, I would say it's the opposite. We have a clear sense of where we want to go. It's like we want a putting green in LA with these new clothes and we're going to be there and we're going to throw these, you know, we know where we're going, but we have a very like loose sense of how we're going to get there. We just figure it out as we're walking, as we figure it out. And then we get there and, you know, you work on the putting green until it's opening day and you just work up until the moment it opens and then you're done. You know, like we don't know what it's going to look like exactly but we know we're going to have a putting green in LA and it's going to be on May 5th. And like, you know, the biscuits are there, so we're doing it. Uh, but I think, yeah, I forget even what the question was, but the, the process brand thing has been a real uh, clarifying point for me to understand ourselves a little bit more lately. You know, when I have brands on, I always love to share some of my favorite pieces from the brand. The first piece I wanted to kind of get more insight on is like the 
a basketball leather penny loafer. I think it's just like a really, really well done loafer and just wanted to like learn more about like how this kind of came to be. This is a great one. You should honestly. think slowly about, yeah, make sure you start at the beginning. I bought, I, I bought, okay, so. What uh, year? Before we even even started Wim Golf, I bought hides of basketball uh, leather. Part of the reason was I was doing some research. It might have been for Ben and learned that there was a leather factory called Horween, uh, which is in Chicago, yeah. like very, very close to where we live and work. And, you know, was was in contact with Horween uh, and bought this leather because I just liked it. You know, like some of, some of the times... Some of our best products, and this, you know, is almost a pitfall sometimes, but like are derived from buying good fabric with no idea how it's going to be used, basically. Yeah, that was a big part of our cleaning effort. Yesterday. Yes, yes. So, so I bought this hide and had it for probably three years. One of the things during the time before we made these, one of the ideas was to, to was to make. Um, like envelope, basically like Will and I use the same wallet and it's an envelope. He actually uses like the one that I made. I took like this class to learn how to do like leather working. And we were thinking maybe we could apply this, this leather toward that. And just like, it was another, just kind of like random one off product. And then in 2019, I believe, or 2020, uh, it was 2020, the NBA all-star game was coming to Chicago and uh, we were thinking about how we could uh, do something for that. Um, and we had all this ba black basketball leather. Horween supplies the, the leather to Wilson and to Spalding. So it's like the real leather that they use on the basketballs. Um, and uh, we had access to a, a sew-down footwear. When do you think we placed the order? Uh, we probably put the order in nine months in advance, probably. Ten months in advance. Before? Whoa. Putting greens? Yeah, we like, I mean, we were working very far out towards this, you know, but we knew that we wanted to, we had access to a footwear, a sew down footwear factory in Maine. And we knew that we wanted to do something that was like basketball related. So we made this, this penny loafer with the, the black basketball leather. And, and like, it's one of the products that I think people have gravitated to the most that we've made. But it, again, it was like, <laughs> have access, know about this, this place that can produce sew down footwear have this uh material that we bought with no use in mind basically we just knew that it was good and then like opportunity arises where these things come into connection and we see it coming and we're able to execute in time to like make it happen so that's how that happened all this content like the content we made was super random we we met a girl at our new york city putting green named chloe who just walked in randomly had some sick ideas on but we were doing like top three footwear every day at that putting green we take pictures of people's feet and she's a great 3d designer and did like something i don't know if you saw this video back on our instagram but like a universal studios intro of a of a ball but it was a, a basketball and it was rotating. And then as like Wim Golf instead of Universal Studios came spinning around the, the ball, it, it morphed into a golf ball. Um, 
So like that was one content piece. And then we had another photo shoot of all the loafers hanging in the, in the air. Uh, and then we filmed another video called deliberate practice, which was an ode to Kobe Bryant, uh, where we were stuffing pennies. Like we both packed a hundred pennies into a sleeve just as a, as like a, it's just as an ode to kind of the, the commitment to athleticism or to sport, you know, that these guys, like, I think we always talk about how artists and athletes are the same. So the next item that I wanted to kind of get into the next piece would be like the recycled like Dintex like storm pant. We bought that fabric originally because we were trying to figure out how to make a puppet that would look like a golf ball. We wanted like the stitching on a jacket to look like the dimples on a golf ball. Clearly like that's a motif that we try to use often. Um, like finding like underappreciated things in the sport that we admire, one of which being the texture of the golf ball. So we bought this fabric for that, which was a, it's a mesh back, like soft shell basically. And, and we get this jacket back, but we bought, we bought insulation that was way too big and, and like stiff. And so this jacket was like, we looked like the Willy Wonka blueberry girl. If you put it on, it was just like super puffed out and you couldn't uh, like, you couldn't even get your arms to the sleeves, but we had this fabric still, we had like leftover and uh, like we had a pretty successful, the second pant we ever made, if you scroll way down on our Instagram was a waterproof, waterproof storm pant that had a built-in belt. Um, but we just kind of didn't like it anymore. It was a little tapered and, and uh, just weird. And uh, we wanted something with belt loops. And so we, we designed that and uh, used that fabric. And like that was a purplish fabric, but it came in these other great colors, like the pecan that you mentioned. And, and yeah, just like, you know, that pant is a good example of one that you can like ride a six hour flight and wear that pant and you'll be fine. You could also like play golf in the rain and it's not really gonna like your pants won't get heavy and cold though it'll like wick pretty well and, and shed water um you know you could wear it walking down the street in new york and you won't look ridiculous so i think like we're generally trying to find transferability in garments and that's not really like how we we're not like marketing it like <laughs> i don't know what a good example is of like you know is like untuck it saying shit like that like yeah oh you can wear the shirt to the office and then to the bar and you don't you know it's just like <laughs> what it is you know like it's a really great fabric we picked it for a jacket it didn't work out but we had it laying around so we tried it on a pant turned out great because it has a great hand especially like the interior is very comfortable and uh and yeah that material that's... can be a big starting point for us color material yeah as they like as they collide you know we uh like these two examples like sometimes we'll fail in its initial application but we but like the fact that we know we have access to it is something that we want to pursue and then you know if you fail once uh try again attempt and and are able to are able to kind of stick the landing on the second try or third try or whatever so um sometimes like that's just how it goes and um yeah leads to a great product in the end nice yeah i mean other Thank you guys again for, you know, coming on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank fun you, man. And glad to reconnect. Very fun.